0: Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 6, Numbers chapter 6 and verse 22 to 27. One of the first books in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, fourth book in, and chapter six. And verse 22 says, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. Please keep your Bibles open there. Now, everybody's got a pet subject, haven't they? Something that really rattles their cage, something that really gets them going. Some people it's politics, some people it's the economy, some people it's global warming, some people it's paper straws. Well, I want you to know what mine is, alright? Mine is men or women these days who go around calling themselves priests. That, if you want to get me going, that is a subject that will get me going, I promise you. Because I know from the Bible that today there is only one person who is our true priest. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 says that there is one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. And Hebrews 7 verse 25 tells us that... He, because he continues forever, in other words, because he's risen from the dead, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. So the Lord Jesus is the true priest. That's why I love that story about the lady in Oxfordshire many years ago, who when she was dying and the Roman Catholic priest came to see her, he said, I've come to give you absolution before you die. And she said, oh, that's ever so kind. She said, thank you so much. She said, just before you do that, she said, could I ask you something? And the priest said, yes, anything you like. She said, could you show me your hands, please? And he said, show me your hands. She said, yes, please. And so he did. And she said to him, sir, I perceive you are an imposter. Will you please get out of my house? And he said, Why? She said, because the only one who has the right to forgive sins has nail marks in his hands. Amen. And she was absolutely right. The Lord Jesus is our priest who is able to save us and our great high priest. True, we are all called kings and priests in a general way in Revelation 1.5. And the church is a nation of priests according to 1 Peter chapter 2. But specifically, Christ is our only There's only one and that's how it is today. But in the Old Testament certainly there were priests. They were men of the line of Levi. And uh, as it says in the book of Hebrews, no man takes this honour to himself but he who is called by God. Just as Aaron was. This was the tribe that was called by God to be the priestly tribe out of the 12 tribes. And out of the line of Levi, the line of the family line of one man, the, the man Aaron, were the ones who were the priests. And one man, one man was the high priest who was able to perform certain special privileges for the people of Israel. He was able to offer the sacrifices He was able to intercede in the holy place for the people of God. And get this, he was the one who was allowed to give the high priestly blessing that we have just read. And this is what we're looking at tonight, this high priestly blessing. This special formula of words which is in verse 24 to 26. You wouldn't know it from the English, but in the Hebrew, it's, it's, a, it's a growing fountain of words. If you think of it like that, the first line is just three Hebrew words. The second line is five Hebrew words, and the seventh line, uh, the third line is seven Hebrew words. So it's getting bigger and bigger as it goes on, like a gushing uh, out of God's blessings and this was something the high priest was to do specifically uh, if you look in verse 27 uh, it, sorry verse 23 it, Moses said speak of the Lord said to Moses speak to Aaron and his son saying this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel and verse 27 these two verses are like brackets around this little passage he says so they shall put my name on On the children of Israel. And I will bless them. Uh, You find the same thing in 1 Chronicles 23.13. Theirs was the privilege of blessing. And the way the priests would do this would be that they would come at the end of the morning sacrifice remember there were the two lambs that were given one in the morning and one in the evening in the temple every day and after the morning sacrifice had been had been made the high priest would come uh uh, come away from the altar to where the people were and he would lift up his hands and he would make that old-fashioned star trek sign do you remember that That Star Trek sign is actually the sign of the Jewish priest. The man who wrote Star Trek was Jewish, apparently, uh, or at least was influenced by uh, Jewish thought. And uh, this sign is the letter Shin in Hebrew. It's like a W shape. And uh, if you look in your Psalm 119, you'll find it's one of the last letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And it is the, the name which represent is the letter which represents the name of God. Remember the name of God in the Bible was Shaddai. Before it was Yahweh, we revealed Yahweh later on. Shaddai was the name of God. And uh, this letter Shin became the mark, the sign of the name of God. And in fact, actually, even to this day, if you look at uh, on the Jewish homes where they have the little uh, mezuzah on the door, very often it has a letter Shin on the mezuzah because it's for the name Shaddai, for the name of the Lord and the priest would come to the front of the steps of the temple where the people were he'd lift up his hands and he would say the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you and so on and he would physically do this uh, in front of the people and in doing so he would as it were put the name of God on the people of Israel. It's a beautiful uh, ceremony and a beautiful formula. The most notable times it was done was after the priest had been inside the temple and came out uh, to present the, uh, uh, after having presented the blood inside the temple. And this little formula of words is a, a Trinitarian formula. If you look in verse 24 and 26, you'll see each line or each sentence begins with the phrase, ''The Lord.'' Verse 24, the Lord bless you. Verse 25, the Lord make his face shine upon you. Verse 26, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. It's Trinitarian. And I don't know if the Jews understood that back in the Old Testament, but it's Trinitarian all the way through. And this formula uh, is something which is is a, a great blessing that God was intending for the Jewish people. According to one Jewish source, The three-part blessing here invokes God's mercy and favour towards the children of Israel for the sake of their general well-being. And that's exactly what it's intended to do. And of course it comes here in the book of Numbers and there's tremendous significance in this. The book of Numbers is the book which is the people of God who have been redeemed. Okay, So you've got Genesis, you've got the fall of man, so you have mankind ruined. In Exodus, you have the Passover, the people are redeemed. And Leviticus, they're redeemed by the blood. And now in Numbers, they're on their journey to the promised land. They're they're travellers, travelling through the wilderness. And uh, that's very much... What the people of God in our generation are too. We've been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. We were ruined sinners by the fall of Adam. But we've been redeemed by the Passover lamb. And we're on our way on our pilgrimage to the promised land as well. And in the book of Numbers there's a a certain order to it as well. You'll notice the early chapters are about the formation of the land. Of the tribes in the order uh, around the tent. The tabernacle where they met. And then you have the role of the priest and certain ceremonies for separation and cleansing. Especially chapter 5 and then chapter 6. Before this, interestingly enough, you have the law of the Nazarite. We were talking about Samson this morning. Samson was a Nazarite, one who was separated to God. And, And what all this is saying is, when you come to the Lord and you become his people on the way to the promised land... You know, God has a a life of separation for us, and a life that's cleansed from sin, a life of order, but it's a life of blessing. And this is what this part here signifies. God wants to bless us. And if you look at it, it's for both the nation and the individual. In verse 23, uh, Moses said, speak to Aaron and his son, saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel, collectively. Say to them, collective. Verse 27, so they, the priests, shall put my name on the children of Israel, collective, and I will bless them. So it's for all the nation together, but it's for the individual as well. Verse 24, 25 and 26, you'll notice five times the word you comes through this passage. The Lord bless you. And keep you, the Lord make His face shine upon you, and so on. And it's a personal blessing as well as a collective blessing, which is a beautiful thing. Now, the interesting thing is, as Christians who study the Bible, when we come to the New Testament and we come to the book of Levit- uh, the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, Luke is very much the priestly gospel. And he begins with a priest called Zechariah. Remember the father of John the Baptist. And you remember the story, Zechariah goes into the temple. He has that encounter with the angel Gabriel who's come to reveal the fact that Elizabeth, his wife, is going to give birth to a son. And he he can't believe it. It's too too great a thing uh, for him in his old age. And so the angel says to him, you're going to be done now until the baby's born. You're not going to be able to speak until that time. So when he comes out of the temple, he's supposed to give the blessing to the people, but he can't do it (laughs) because he's got no speech. However, when you come to the other end of the Gospel of Luke, just turn with me to Luke chapter 24, verse 50, you'll find something really wonderful. Luke chapter 24 and verse 50 We read the Lord Jesus after he's given the great commission in the upper room. And in verse 50 it says, and he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Isn't that amazing? That's what the Lord Jesus was doing. So it starts off with a priest who can't give the blessing anymore, a priest of the line of Aaron, but we have one now who can, the Lord Jesus, who has an eternal priesthood risen from the dead. And, and the glory of this is Christ blesses us today with the same things that this high priestly pri- uh, blessing. Uh, is 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 about in the book of numbers do you know this is what the apostles said to the jews in in acts chapter 3 verse 26 they said to you first god having raised up his servant jesus sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities but god sent jesus to the jewish people to bless them And this is a wonderful benediction that Christ fulfills for us as believers. He is our great high priest and therefore he is the one who is able to bless us. And you know the priest was the one who had to offer the sacrifices. His hands were bloodstained. And so when he put his hands up they were hands that had been bloodstained. The Lord Jesus is able to raise bloodstained hands from Calvary and bless his people in his name on the merit of his saving work. It's a wonderful thing. And uh, I want us to look at this tonight and see how this blessing is so real for us. We're just going to look at the first part of it tonight and we'll continue next time. But I'm hoping to inspire you to pray this for yourself. You said but you just said Jesus is the one who blesses us. So how can I pray it for myself? Well the Psalms tells us that we can pray this for ourselves. Psalm 67 says this in a prayer form. Psalm 67 says, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. We can take this scripture into prayer and we can pray in the name of Jesus because of what he has done. Please bless us in these things. Warren Wisby, the Bible commentator, puts it like this. He said, we use this blessing today for it belongs to us as well as to Israel. The church has been blessed with every spiritual blessing through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can claim this benediction through him. And I agree. So be like uh, those Jewish people who prayed that in the Old Testament. Uh, Be like that man Jabez who prayed, Lord, bless me indeed. and, And ask the Lord to fulfill these things for us. So what does this priestly blessing say? We're going to look at the first three things tonight. First of all, it says, the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Now, wonder what you think of when you hear the word bless you. You know, I don't, to be honest with you, I grew up hearing that every time I sneezed. The Lord bless you. And we sort of reduced bless you down to that, don't we? Oh, you poor thing, you sneezed, I hope you're alright. I hope you're not getting a cold. But you know, strictly speaking in the Bible, to bless someone is far, far greater than that. I tell you, if you want to understand what it means to be blessed, look at the life of Jacob. Because Jacob fought tooth and nail all his life to get the blessing of God. In fact, every patriarch seems to have his own characteristic. Uh, Abraham's is especially faith of course Isaac's is uh, the intercession but Jacob's was the blessing do you remember he fought, he, he fought with his brother in the womb to be the firstborn his brother Esau the firstborn came out first and uh, Jacob wanted the blessing even in the womb he wanted the blessing and he was so determined to get the blessing he did a deal with his brother. Some say, oh, he stole the blessing. No, he didn't steal it. He did a fair and square deal. Nobody made Esau give it over. Esau gave up his blessing for a bowl of pottage. It wasn't stealing. and uh, he, But he, Jacob was clever to be able to get it. And he wanted that blessing. He covered himself in uh, animal skins to go into his blind father because his blind father was still determined to bless Esau even though the blessing the birthright had been bought by Jacob he was still determined to bless Esau so he disguised himself to get the blessing by the way that's a picture of us we get the blessing from God disguised as Jesus and uh, we come in to God's presence in Christ's name And then later on in Jacob's life, Jacob met with that mysterious figure, the angel of the Lord, on the time, on the journey back from uh, his father-in-law Laban's house. And he'd heard that Esau was coming to meet him with 400 men. And that night down at Penuel, he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord allowed him to get the upper hand, didn't he? Do you remember that? Amazing story in Genesis 32. And he said, let me go because the sunrise is coming. I don't want you to see my face. Jacob wasn't going to let him go. Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. He was determined to get the blessing. And even when he was an old man, he still believed in the blessing. Do you remember what it says in Hebrews 11? He says that leaning on his staff, he blessed the sons of Joseph and blessed the children of Israel. Jacob believed in the blessing. Now let me tell you something. If the blessing is just a tissue, oh bless you. That wasn't what Jacob was fighting for all those years. What it was, was God's goodness to the people of God. And when you're blessed of God, mighty things happen in your life. I mentioned Jabez earlier in 1 uh, Chronicles chapter 4. And I'm not into the, the fake book that there was written about that some years ago. But it is a biblical passage. And in that story, that man Jabez cried out. He was a man who had a painful birth. And he caused pain in his family. But he didn't want to be a life marked by pain. So he went to God in prayer. and he said, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. God did. God did good things, mighty things for Jabez. This is what Israel was being given when the priest stood up and said, The Lord bless you. What a wonderful, wonderful thing that is. Would you like someone to bless you so that your life was blessed like Jacob? I mean, Jacob, the the money came to him. He had the land promises. He had success. He had his strifes too because the devil was fighting for him all through his life. Would you like his blessings? I'm sure you would. Would you like God to bless you? Well, come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord Jesus, our great high priest, blesses us. And you know what? The New Testament begins Christ's ministry with these words. The Lord Jesus ascended a mountain to teach his disciples. And his first sermon, public sermon, we have recorded. The Sermon on the Mount begins how? Blessed are the... And he gives the Beatitudes nine times. Blessed, 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 blessed. Christ came to bless us. And Ephesians one chapter 3, chapter one verse three tells us that in him we have all the blessings. Isn't that an incredible thing? That's an amazing thing. You know, if you really realize how great that is, you'll be praising God as you go home tonight. I am blessed. It used to be a little song, I don't know how many of you know it, but we used to sing it when we were younger. I am blessed, I am blessed, every day of my life now I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning, till I lay my head to rest, I am blessed, yes I am blessed. It's true, it's a wonderful thing a Christian can say, we have God's blessing on our lives. Of course the greatest blessing he gives us is salvation, the forgiveness of sins. There's no greater blessing than that because that gives us uh, uh, heaven as our home and inheritance when we die. But we're blessed in so many more ways than that. All the blessings of God in Christ Jesus are ours. Do you thank him for that? Do you ask him, Lord, go on blessing me today? bless me in new ways new ways i've not understood before new ways i've not received before because i've not been living by faith in these areas before you know there was a missionary lady by the name of bertha smith and she was a missionary in a bitterly cold place in china And in those days, uh, they didn't have nice central heating in their homes to keep them warm like you're feeling tonight. They were wrapped up to keep themselves warm. And in wintertime, she would wear 30 pounds of clothing to keep herself warm during the day. When she went to bed at night, she would lie under heavy bedding and have hot water bottles. But her greatest challenge in the morning was getting up to go and pray. She would get out of her nice warm bed into the freezing cold. Get that 30 pounds of clothes back on her as quickly as she could. Then she would go and break the ice to wash her face. Then she would go out to a haystack, which was her private place. Clear away the frost on the hay. And she would kneel and pray to the Lord. You know why? She was asking God to bless her. Asking God to bless her work for the gospel. Do good things for me. Do mighty things. Why would she do all that if it wasn't real? It is real. We need to be those who thank God and seek God for his blessings. The Lord bless you. That's what Boaz said, wasn't it, when he greeted the people? The Lord bless you. Secondly, the Lord bless you and keep you. Verse 24 you're really glad tonight i'm just doing three now aren't you okay the lord bless you and keep you verse 24 now what does it mean to be kept well to be kept by god means to be preserved by god today samuel went back home back to uh, derby back up north and he's driving back home and we read psalm 121 it's the psalm we always read before we go on journeys As a family, and in that psalm, it says how the Lord will keep us as we go on our way. And uh, this is what it means: it's for God to preserve and watch over us as we pass through this world. God will preserve us and protect us if He chooses to keep us. And sometimes that happens in ways that we perhaps uh, are not expecting. I, heard, I read a, a book recently that contained the story of a German Shepherd Husky called uh, Husky Cross, German Shepherd Husky Cross, which was called R.C. And R.C. discovered a two-year-old boy in wintertime outside dressed in just a T-shirt. He had somehow got out of his parents' house and this little toddler was wandering around in the freezing cold crying with just a t-shirt and this dog what do you think he did he put the kid on the floor and he lay on top of him (laughs) and then barked and barked until someone came to see what was wrong and uh, his parents came and rescued him that dog saved that boy from hypothermia isn't that an amazing story And, you know, God does many things like this to preserve us physically in our lives. God, you say, does this mean physically? Yes, it does mean physically. To Israel it meant physically. Read Psalm 124, how God had kept Israel from her enemies. If the Lord had not been with us, (laughs) they would have wiped us out. And I want to tell you, that's why Israel is still there today. It's not because she has a superior army, although she does. It's because God has kept physically the nation of Israel. He's blessed her and kept her in according to this promise. And that will be true for the child of God too. Do you realize in this life, we are immortal till our work is done? Let me read you some quotes. The hymn writer John Ryland said, plagues and deaths around me fly till he bids, I cannot die. Not a single shaft can hit till the God of love sees fit. General Stonewall Jackson said my religious belief teaches me to feel as safe in battle as I do in my bed. God has fixed the time for my death. I do not concern myself about that. David Livingstone the missionary said men are mortal till their work is done. And Thomas Fuller the 17th century Baptist preacher said God's children are immortal whilst their father hath anything for them to do on the earth. It's true. You know, my life is not in the hands of the government or in the doctors or even in my beloved's cooking. <laughs> you know, I sometimes joke we have... A, we serve our meals in three three stages. <laughs> we, we lay the table, we present the food, we clear away the dead. <laughs> That's not very kind, is it? Sorry. Yeah. But you know what? God preserves our lives and protects our lives from danger as long as... He has a plan for us here on earth. And then he allows us to go home. You know, they couldn't arrest the Lord Jesus. They couldn't take him because his time had not yet come. And that's true for us as well. What a wonderful thing it is to be kept. But for the Christian, it's even more than just a physical keeping. It's a spiritual keeping as well. For the Christian, it means to be kept, preserved, in salvation, Do you read the opening of Jude ever? Do you ever read the book of Jude? Jude's great. You get a chapter for every verse. You just, you just need a single verse. And Jude's opening greeting is to those who are called, those who are loved, those who are kept. Isn't that a wonderful thing? As a Christian, God called me, called me into salvation. He loved me with his son by saving me, uh, saving me on by his death on the cross, and he's keeping me for glory. That's a wonderful thing. Well, our minister, who's speaking last week, reminded us of the inheritance that's kept in heaven for you, said Peter, and you also are kept for In John 17, the Lord Jesus said to his father in his high priestly prayer, of all those that you've given me, I have lost only a few of them. No, no, I have lost none, none. You know, I have eternal security. Some people have eternal insecurity. (laughs) Am I saved? Am I not saved? I'm not really sure. I know, I trust in the saviour who keeps those who he died for. And it's a wonderful, wonderful reassurance to know yourself preserved by him. What a blessing is encountered for the Christian who's blessed by our high priest, the Lord Jesus. And final part of the blessing is to make his face shine upon you. Verse 25, the Lord make his face shine upon you. You know, I like uh, uh, this, this passage of scripture because it focuses on the face of God. Twice in this passage, in verse 25 and verse 26, the face of God is spoken of. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And in verse 26, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. His countenance is his face. Now, this is uh, quite a shock to the Jewish person because the Jewish person has no visual image of God. We're not like the idolaters who have an idol where they can see a face. But our God does have a face. Moses saw him who was invisible. And God's face shines on his people. I love that story about the little boy who was uh, sleeping one night and he was having bad dreams and his mum said, all right, I'll stay in the room. And he said, mum, I want you to sleep up on the bed with me. (laughs) So mum got up on the bed and slept next to the boy and and, uh, he said, mum, are you awake? She said, yes, I'm still awake. And he said, mum, Which way is your face facing? He wanted to know if her face was toward her. You know, the face of someone you love is everything, isn't it? And if that face is a face that shines in love upon you, how great a face that is to you. And a radiance and a glory is on the face of our God, shining upon his people. This means... Uh, in practical terms that god will show favor to his people if my face shines upon you i'm going to show favor to you you know uh, if, if you go see the boss say can i have a day off on friday if his face shines upon you you get the day off if he really shines on you you get two days off you know but this is god's face shining upon the children of israel he gives favor Towards them. You'll see in the next part that that's on the basis of grace but we'll come to that next week. But what a wonderful thing to know that God's face is towards us and is a face that shines upon us with favour. You know. I don't have to come to a God thinking, saying, you know, I'm a Christian, but you know, I really don't know whether God wants me or not, whether or not he really loves me or not, whether or not he, he wants me to come and pray, whether or not he's upset at me because uh, my Christian life is, is never up to par and it never will be because you're a fallen human being living in this world. I have assurance his face shines upon me and his face Is smiling towards me. And when I think of the Lord Jesus fulfilling this, I can't help thinking of the transfiguration where the Lord Jesus' face literally shone, didn't it, upon the disciples on that mountain in Matthew chapter 17. What a glorious thing. So if you want God's face to shine upon you, come through the Lord Jesus Christ to him. He is the high priest who will bless you. He is the one who will keep you. He is the one who will bring God's favour upon you in your walk with him if you trust in his saving work. The Lord bless you tonight for listening.